Welcome to the Butter Chicken Podcast, hosted by DJ Shirai and DJ Juicy. Ooh. We focus on the stories of individuals who are making great impact in society and culture. The Butter Chicken Experience is well-cooked, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the vibes. You got the culture? Yes, 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 party people, New York City and worldwide. It's your boy, DJ Sherrod. And DJ Juicy. The Butter Chicken Boys are back. We're in season three. It's been an incredible run. Exciting, bro. Juicy, what's really good? Everything is good, bro. So, uh, you know, it's it's been crazy that um, Spotify hit me up. Mm-hmm. They, they said um, they're super happy with the way our content's coming out. Okay. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts as well. And now India's booming yeah we're on, we're on hub hopper in india man so shout out to all our, our fans in india all our listeners subscribers we appreciate you tremendously uh, so based on analytics it looks like india's number one in listenership that's amazing man isn't that's, that cool that's, that's love bro shout out to everyone from india and overseas listening uh as you know the butter chicken podcast is a podcast that tells the stories of unique individuals making impact in culture and society people doing things outside of the box people doing some cool ass things with their careers um juicy talk to me you do some cool things i, I would like to say <laughs> and think that yeah what's some of the cool stuff you've been doing lately man uh just getting back in the studio working on a couple of mixtapes um sticking to what we do on a regular basis djing events all over the country the world any particular projects from the brand side that you worked on in the last few months that have been uh exciting and uh interesting for you yeah uh we partnered up with new balance recently uh with one of their um major sneakers iconic sneakers um that they rolled out many versions of so their latest and greatest version was rolled out this year 990 version 5 that was pretty cool and interesting thank you for getting me a pair by the way no problem anytime i got you i guess that's what friends do right (laughs) that's what friends do man it's interesting because um you know for the listeners who are just tuning in or if it's your first butter chicken experience uh juicy and i go way back i'm a little bit older than him but uh, uh we've developed a brotherhood over time uh we're not related but many people think we're actual brothers absolutely um but we actually are very 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 good friends we are and we happen to run our business together we yeah uh our wives are friends with each other they are they're pretty cool with one another and then uh we're at work all day uh we sometimes bump heads all the time and then we get out of work out of the office or out of out of the the work studio Mm -hmm. we bounce from there and it's all love and then we come here and we have to see each other again. <laughs> but this is cool. This is fun to me. And, yeah. and that's, uh, ladies and gents, you know, we do butter chicken, uh, you know, for, for the people to really understand that if you have a vision and you have uh, a mindset of doing, uh, taking a career path or taking your creative uh vision and vibes uh to another level that it's definitely possible and some of these guests that we bring on uh have been doing just amazing things uh in all the different spaces that we're bringing them to absolutely man it's absolutely incredible it's it's a nice uh way to break up our day and it's also um wonderful to hear the stories of others man it's it's truly enlightening you know one thing people might not know about your story tell me is your real name (laughs) go ahead put it on blast so for those who don't know juicy's real name is Arun. It is. And, Arun. And we have a guest in the building today. Who also happens to have a friend by the name of Arun, right? 
I believe he does. I, they might also be doing business together as well, or have done business together. I definitely, I definitely think they did. But we'll hear more about that. <laughs> uh, oh, this is a friend from out of town, yeah. a place far, far away, place I've never been. Have you? I've never been there. No. And I don't think we've ever had a guest from this continent. No, we so haven't. So it's going to be pretty cool uh, to uh, hear him speak his story, tell his story. He goes by the name of Pav Daria. Make some noise, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show, Pav. How you guys doing? Chilling, man. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us today, and uh, we truly appreciate you doing this. I appreciate uh, you guys uh, getting me onto your uh, podcast. Yeah, man. It's love and respect, bro. I'm glad it came about, man. We we knew we heard you were in town. We didn't we didn't know if we could hit you. Luckily, uh, a friend of ours was at the house the other day, Jazz Tommy, and he was like, "Oh, Pav, yeah, I'll get that guy for you. No problem." Yeah. Group text, and boom, here we are. Uh, Jazz is cool. Cool. I, I think his exact words. I'll get that cunt for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what? Uh, so the other day he saved my number in front of me. I know what um, he has your number saved as. Yeah, it's fucked up, bro. Yeah, <laughs> and he said I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna save your number as cunt, and I'm like, you know what? Do it. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that happen, bro? Uh, because um, I messaged him from that's a new a, number. Oh, I'm gonna pause you one second. Sixty uh, percent of our listeners are female. My wife has, okay. that is the one of the most <laughs> offensive words, fucked up, bad words to call a woman. Yes. And to you. So we generally don't use, so all listeners yes. take this in context that this is on some joke shit for yes. us. Well, it's just, I'm Australian. So that's the <laughs> context you need. We don't use the word, we don't use the word cunt in a derogatory way too much, unless you're an actual cunt. Then, yeah. <laughs> but what, what depends on... Depends on uh, the preceding word what the meaning of of cunt is. Got it. So if you're a shit cunt, <laughs> you got that right. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, I yeah. got that. So if you're a shit cunt, you're a, you're not a yeah. not the greatest person. No. Um, if you're a sick cunt, mm-hmm. then you're you're you're, you're, you're pretty dope. good. You're lit. You're all right. <laughs> I like you. Like jazz is a sick cunt. He's a sick cunt. Right? Yeah. Interesting. I'm just a cunt, so I think he's still deciding on whether. <laughs> what that he's depends put. on the day. Depends on the conversation. Exactly. So, yeah. what are you going to store Pav's number in your phone as? Pav Daria, man. It's respect. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so, um, you're from Australia. Yes. The land down under. The we land got a, down under. A lot of Indians there. Um, a lot of people there should be the first question you ask. Well, well, so I we know have a twenty million, about uh, twenty-three million. Yeah, mm. that we know. And I think that's about double New York. Yeah, uh, as a state is probably about the, uh, less yeah. than your state yeah we don't have a lot of people in Australia okay yeah, interesting what's a, the people to kangaroo ratio <laughs> uh, it's kangaroos are more than the people <laughs> yeah. we actually have we have so I believe we're one of the only countries that can shoot our national animal interesting because there's so many of them interesting. wow so yeah. you know how you have the animal on your the, the symbol or the symbol I don't know what it's called yeah. of your country you guys have the eagle. bald eagle or bald eagle yeah. yeah and you're not allowed to Kill it, no, no, right? no, 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 yeah, yeah. We're allowed to kill kangaroos. <laughs> Interesting. There's so many of them. Damn. So they don't regulate it whatsoever. You see one in your backyard. That's dinner. Well, or whatever. the thing is, you don't really see one in your backyard. Okay. They don't know how to use lifts yet. Okay. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> but when they do, maybe. <laughs> Are they cool? Like, like if They're you just chill. like walk I, in... the the closest I've experienced I've had to like what you guys think what we live in. Mm. Like you guys believe that we wake up and you know. We the believe, person we, that's making you coffee is a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> that's what every American thinks. Like, oh, so you guys see kangaroos like everywhere? 
Um, no, we don't. <laughs> but at the same time, I was riding my bike in sort of the middle of the night. Don't know why. I don't remember. Mm. But what I do remember is there was a kangaroo hopping right next to me on the road. Did you like give, throw a piece? I was just like, this is a really cool story to tell. Yeah. When, yeah. when was this? This would have been about a year ago, maybe a year and a half. Interesting. And like any conversation or any, any interaction? No, no interaction. Just brush me off. <laughs> yeah. I got to work on my kangaroo game. <laughs> so we don't, I don't know much about Australia. I knew, I know about kangaroos. I know about shrimp on the Barbie. Crocodile Dundee. Yes, the shrimp on the Barbie is a bit overrated. <laughs> we don't really say that. The other thing I do know, Kylie Minogue is Australian. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's just yeah. I had a childhood crush on Kylie Minogue, so I think we all did. And she's one smoking. thing, like I, I don't know if you know about this. And her sister Danny. Oh, I, yeah, I don't know. Oh popping, popping, popping. I haven't seen her. Yeah. But one one thing I know about um, Australia that was popping for me as a child was this TV show called Neighbors. Oh yeah, so you're from England? <laughs> no, but I I spent a lot of time in my childhood in England because my mother's okay, from, from yeah, because they so. love neighbors. And I was every summer I was in England uh-huh. and I was locked in the house yep. as a child, like not in a bad way. Yeah, bro. Another story a- to talk a- about. Everyone this was got dark. Everyone bro. was working and I'd be home like in the morning, right? And I would just do uh, watch neighbors marathons tea and, and biscuits and <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> now we're talking shit about english <laughs> no nah, nah, i'm not talking well, shit. would have fun with that yeah but have uh, fun with what talking shit about the english nah and nah, i'm all right i'm, I'm okay with the english actually <laughs> okay it's, good it's yeah. americans that he fucking <laughs> that's all right so <laughs> here, i'm okay with everyone most people i'm okay with <laughs> so here on butter chicken what we what we like to do is uh really inspire the youth and tell the stories of um people that we think are doing really dope things within the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no doubt about it. Um, you've, in the last few years, uh, your career has um, skyrocketed uh, with some really, really big records. You've been doing music for a long time. Um, the general public, I would say, probably really got to really got to see who you are with Naja and Correct. then and then maybe go to your back catalog and then start really yeah. getting into that's it. That's a very good way of actually looking at it. I mean that's yeah. that's I mean as DJs we were sort of on it but Naja was like that was the one. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Like yeah. this shit was massive. But for those people who don't know you or just know you for maybe a couple of records, we like to really go in depth and and get a get a painting of where you come from uh culturally i think Juicy yeah has a um so on that. so just uh give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself where you come from um we, we know you're obviously from australia but uh your background culturally some of your musical influences growing up things along those lines yeah um born in india spent the first uh good 10 years of my life in india mm. so my influence was always just like punjabi music that's in punjab mm-hmm. and i hadn't even heard like an english song outside of that interesting um the first song that i heard that when i was like wow this is not punjabi and it's so weird was dalir mendi's and i was like wow what a shit song right <laughs> i love that song <laughs> that was my that's my idea of it so that's the kind of music <laughs> i'd heard where i was like i was not open to any other kind of music um uh moved to australia when i was around 10 and a half 11 then uh did my schooling and uh wait why did why did you go from india to australia my my dad had already moved to australia so my dad had moved in the 80s because of all of the all of the political issues that were going on in punjab Mm. so he moved mum and i stayed in india and uh i think seven years after he moved or something like that you know he he got his uh permanent residency in australia and then we we went over oh so you lived separate from your dad for a long yeah yeah i actually had like my 
dad was not a part of my life in in the physical sense mm. for you know until i was like seven or something like that was music a big part of your childhood uh in india like did you listen to like a lot of music on the daily yeah i think music's a part of everyone's childhood in india music's a very very big thing for india right right any any place that you go to in india you'll find it's not just india like any place you go to you even if you go shopping you know h&m you're still gonna hear music sure. Music's just a part of everything that's there. Sure. And India tends to be a little more because at least, well, when I grew up, you know, the em- employment-wise, everyone was a farmer. Mm. I grew up in a bend, right? Mm. So employment is farming. So and, and farming requires a lot of strict work for a bit and then also you're idle for, for a long time as well. So a lot of that ends up having people, you know, that get glued to their TV where it was like TV was a big deal, you know. Right. The whole family would gather to to sit and watch. Sure. Watch TV. Um, so all of that, and, and naturally on TV, what they had was just music. Right. You know, and Pakistani dramas. Sure. And Pakistani because I live so close to the Pakistani border that we used to get PTV, Pakistan TV. Uh-huh. So I had like that was my influence in terms of like visually seeing, uh, you know, drama basically. Interesting. And a lot of the Pakistani music I was very heavily influenced by. We got we got better reception from Pakistan than we did from from India. Wow, it's weird. When you say we got better reception, meaning like TV reception. Okay. Oh, okay. TV reception. Right. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So we got like that was so you know we it was always better coming from Pakistan, like a good fifty percent better in clarity. So like would rather have clarity than not be able to sure. figure out what's going on. Sure. Sure. It's fuzzy. Um. Yeah. So like my my musically I was sort of heavily influenced by by sort of that that um pakistani kind of vibe in in terms of the music then when i met my dad mm. and you know started it's spending more crazy time. to hear so you get <laughs> it so you get on a flight one day and you say all right now we're living in Australia. yeah that was the worst day of my life actually tell us about it if you don't i mean like that time frame not that day but um that was a time frame so i grew up with my um my uncles my aunts my grandparents and my mom a very close-knit family, and I was the, for a very long time, the only child within the family. So I was sort of very spoiled. You know, I got whatever I wanted. Um, I could say whatever I wanted. It was always funny. Some things haven't changed. Some things don't change, yeah. It's probably, that, that's pretty much it. That's why I, I do a lot of, say a lot of things I do, because I don't have like a natural reaction to what's going to happen if I say this, mm. right? Um. Growing up there, it was when I found out that I was moving to Australia, it was like I wasn't going to see my granddad. Uh, my granddad and I were very tight. Very close, yeah. And um, wasn't going to see my puas. Wasn't going to see my chachas for like, you know, a really long time. So when I found out, it was it was cool because it seemed like theoretically this is what should be great. And everyone around me was happy. But emotionally, and the truth was that it felt like this is not right. Mm. Right? For me. Right. And um, so it was a very devastating thing for me to find out that my dad's got permanent residency because then I knew that I had to move away from India. I had to move away from all of my family. And my family was big. So, you know, back in the day, people used to have like 10 children because three would die. Or four would die. Actually, more so, like seven would die. That's that's what it was, right? So they'd they'd have 10 children because seven were going to die and they'd have three children left. And so essentially when medicine was... Modern medicine came into it and, and birth started being more successful. People were still having the same number of kids, but 
not 70% of them di- were dying. Right. In fact, most were living. And that's why you have that population boom in Australia. A lot of Australia, I mean, India. India. You always you always think like, why is it that India's population is so big? It's just because people have, you're so used to having so many kids that all of a sudden they weren't dying anymore. And then you had like eight kids. So I have like six uncles, two aunts. It might be five actually, but five or six, <laughs> you know. And um, so I was used to having a family that big. And right. then going from big that... Big joint family, yeah. Yeah, going going from that to... And my mum was a very small part of my life, as weird as that sounds. Like, my mum was my mum, obviously, oh. but majority of my time I spent, like, with everyone else. Right. And um, all of a sudden, my mum was the only figure that I knew. The only figure that I had in my life was my mum. Because my dad, I hadn't really spent a lot of time with him, and so moving over to, to, to Australia, it was that... You know, from going from a family of everyone to having no family, not knowing pretty much a word of English. Were you speaking Punjabi or Hindi? I speak. It was, it was Punjabi. I grew up in a bend. So going to uh, Australia, my first, my first world word that, that I learned wasn't even English. It was Serbian, because there was just so many Serbian immigrants in that area. <laughs> what was the word? Um, Kakosi. It <laughs> means how are you, as far as I remember. Interesting. And Dobro means I'm good. Dobro. <laughs> Dobro. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. We, we got to um, start using that. Dobro. You good? Dobro. Dobro. <laughs> so these guys didn't know English either, right? And they're all white. Yeah. So With they Serbians. didn't know English. And okay. I'm like, what language? Like, I don't, is this what English sounds like? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's awkward. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, some people speaking English and they're like, naturally, it took about a year for me to learn the language. And... um then, you know, start sort of building some sort of a relationship with the outside world. But it was a, a difficult thing. Migration for anyone, it's a very, very difficult. So thing. how old are you at this time when you come over? From 11, uh, around 11. 11. So that's, yeah. that's I hadn't a, turned 11 yet. So it was just but, but that's a really pivotal age. Like that's, that's an age where it's you're, a, you're, adolescence, you're, yeah. you're coming into your own autonomy. You're, you, you know what you want. You're, you're independent enough to figure yeah. things out. Yeah. Did so, you turn to music at that time? No, music was just always such a part of life. Right. My dad's a singer, so music was always just a part of life. It was just life. always yeah. there. It was just relevant. one of those things that's just a part of life. It's, well, it wasn't special. It wasn't something that was like... It was just automatic, normal. It was just automatic. My family, you know, they knew that dad sang, and they and dad had a very was, successful career before he moved to Australia. Was that his job in India? Or, you know? In India. In India, he was a singer. Like... What, what like weddings like what was uh, he singing you've heard of Yamla Jat sure of course yeah so he learned from him Good, spent a, a really long time with him wow. so he used to you know perform with him he was in his uh, one of the homeboys that was his ustad that was his ustad interesting so you know they used to get wow. a lot of shows and so he spent like, oh so he, this, like, this is in your veins bend in Punjab right but this is in you this is in you then like this music thing this uh, is yeah yes or no like my dad's a performer if you see my dad perform uh-huh. Yeah, it's gonna be like what the fuck have we been sleeping on it oh. is crazy I've never seen anyone perform as good as my dad do you ever bring him out on stage um, if I did then my shows would fail so <laughs> that's not good but you know he's got his he, the style of music that he does was very particular for what he was doing um, which was very you know, old school very very folky um, in fact he moved to the wrong country if he'd moved to England like it would have been a completely different scenario for him so he had to give up music because Australia, there was just no one there you know, to sustain that sort of a career. Like, there's no one there to sustain my career, if I think about it. Were you, was your family one of the early sort of uh, South Asian families Sort there? of, one of the, but not that early. Like, we were we were fairly early. My dad was one of the first sort of 
artistic people that sort of came out there and started doing pangra you know out in the with the gore and stuff mm. in, sh- in front of the gore like just in the like street like like what, like like what putting on events or yeah like doing cultural performances and things like that millas and millas stuff. and stuff like that um but yeah like he i think he's one of the first first and only few people to perform at the opera house as well he did a did a dance there bhangra and he wasn't a dancer but he said to me he's like dance was the one thing that white people understood mm. they couldn't understand folk right they couldn't understand folk singing because it's just whatever random for them mm. but dancing is a visual art form so it makes sense where you don't really have to understand what these guys are doing because they're moving their body sure it's body language not like necessarily a linguistic thing So music's been a part of your life since you were born. Yeah, always. Any I think I performed for the first time when I was like five or something. Interesting. Any yeah. specific artists that um, are with you, ingrained in you, from a young age that you know you s- still listen to or you pay homage to? No. No one in particular. No, I think that would be a disservice to everyone else. Fair enough. I mean, I I heard a lot of Nusrat uh, later on in my life. Mm-hmm. I used to hate Nusrat. I was like, who the hell is this guy? This music's so boring. When I was a kid, mm, you know, because right. everyone, all the kids are listening to something else. And then you know, <laughs> once I met my dad, your dad becomes a very big influence on what you do and how sure. you do it. So that for me was like I I got influenced to to listen to more of that classical sound, classical folk. So not just folk, but sort of that that Pakistani folk. Mm. So I have a question for you. When you get to Australia. I'm assuming at that time there's not a lot of people that you could physically relate to and 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 catch a vibe with in school or people that looked like you or spoke like you, correct? Yeah, I can count um zero. Jeez. So so what was that trend like that horrible horrible that whole that whole time period that year was the worst year of my life. That was it was traumatic and it was um let's say if i could put in all of the abuse that i've ever had in my life from anyone and everyone that would be like a non-deliberate abuse that's wow. not even close to not even close to what anyone else could have done because it had nothing to it's it was so out of control for everybody it was inevitable i had to move my dad was living there it was a better life but to disconnect from your culture disconnect from your family it's it's it is I don't know how to describe it. Like if I ever smelt that flat that we moved into, like I ha- I got that smell again. That was in which city? In that in in Sydney, Sydney in Liverpool, okay. one mm-hmm. of the suburbs. Mm-hmm. If that you know how every house has a particular smell yeah. or like a carpet has a particular smell. If I was to ever smell that same carpet, I would start crying. Wow. That that's where, where how bad that affected me that entire time because it was such a jump. It, it you know a lot of people most people in fact come from a medium-sized family and they tend to sort of have they migrate with other people a lot of students have other students that they can relate to mm-hmm. i didn't have anyone that i could really relate and no to. no siblings no siblings unfortunately that's probably what didn't help and um you know like that's that's the bit that sort of made me very sort of uh self-questioning in a way and you know took me on a on a journey of philosophy and all that that I'm on now. So what helped you get through that time? Was it is it just time healed uh, time yeah, I mean, what's the yeah. alternative, right? So I, I always yeah. I always think what's the alternative? Mm. And the alternative would have been that I would have just gone oh, I'm, I'm going to kill myself or something. Right. But I'm alive. Sure. So something or the other must have, you what? know, TV and all that sort of stuff got me got me out of 
got me through it. My my friends in that when I was living in that flat, the friends that I had were Yugoslavian, two brothers. I used to play cricket with a softball, mm. and it was just like just things like that. Like once you sort of start becoming more active outside of the outside of that. I remember I was sitting in that flat, outside of that flat in the the stairway, and our stairways used to have windows, so you could sit in the window and still look outside. Not huge flats, you know, mm-hmm. three or four stories. And I just sat there and I was singing, and we had a neighbor move into that building, and he was South Indian, and so he didn't know what I was singing, but he's like, "I really like your voice," and he was one of the neighbors that my dad then eventually became friends with, and you know, he really appreciated that I was a, I was a kid that was singing, so. I don't know things like that. You know, when you like just distract yourself. Life, like yeah. After a while, you you get used to it. You're all right with it. Interesting. So eventually, you you become full on Australian in the sense where you you get assimilated into society and you you sort of embrace it, right? Yeah. I mean, you go to school and you you meet you meet people and all of that. So when does like this music thing start kicking in? In terms of not just liking music, but going from you know, just a, a kid in Australia that happened to come from Punjab to getting to this point today where you're producing records, producing video, singing songs, touring the world. How does how does this start? Um, okay, so like going back to music being such a big part of life. Right. Um, when I when I hit puberty, I lost my voice. And I lost it in in probably the worst way I could have lost it, and it was. Um, I was a very very good singer when I was a kid. I could I could sing. A kid can sing female notes. Mm. You can sing as high as you want, right? Sure. And folkish music is always about singing high, belting it out. Mm-hmm. N- don't worry about the low, lows and mids. Right. Know, yeah. Like guzzles people that sing guzzles old people sing that sure so it was always about you know being able to sing high being able to sing consistently couldn't do that anymore couldn't sing at all couldn't like i would get tired my throat would get tired and so that i lost it i lost my voice i lost the ability to sing and um that was probably the second phase of my life that was hard so i you know i sort of started recovering from the migration and then the only thing that i had as a talent um, I lost that and that was where I sort of just gave up music and I would have been, I don't know, whenever you get puberty. puberty. 13 to 15. When, when did you get yours? Uh, <laughs> like five. five. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, 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 was, uh, I was early. I mean, Juicy Probably. was touring the world by like 14. DJing, okay. so. No, I was say touring the world, touring <laughs> fucking Long Island. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's the world for some <laughs> That's true. Uh, shit, I don't know, I like 12, between, 13? Yeah, between 13 yeah. and 15, I'd imagine. Yeah. So I, I guess it would have been like those those three or four years were just very difficult. Like yeah. losing the one thing that you have strength in and all of that. And then um, then I think by that time it was sort of like you start developing a little bit more of a personality. But I, I remember that time for me was probably like the first 10 years of my life in Australia were, were just horrible, horrible. I'd, I would not be able to do that again if I was asked. Sheesh. Yeah, once that took a lot out of me. But you obviously got got it back. I made it, made it through, made it through. So, the, so walk us mess. walk us through that time of like putting your first early records together, and how did that even come about? Was that high school days? Was that college uh, days? This was so going back to dad. You know, he was looking for a music producer, and every person that he went to, they were charging like an, an arm and a leg. They were charging a lot of money, and we couldn't afford that sort of 
it's that sort of cash. Uh, but that's something I sort of grew up looking at. And I grew up looking at my, my dad's a person that like gets everyone else to do stuff. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do it himself. He'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm not going to do it. Right? Yeah. So that was one thing I said to myself. I'm like, I don't ever want to be a person that needs someone else to do something. That is my life motto. I love that. That's amazing. So all of my music, all of my like cover art, even for albums, um, videos, photos, everything. I, for a very long time, I did everything myself because I was like, I am never, ever going to have to ask anyone to come, you know, be like, can you do this for me? I still don't. So you're very involved in your creative process. Very heavily involved. Um, And it takes me a very long time to trust someone and go, okay, you're going to be able to do this job. And again, for me to come out of that and go like, I trust you with that. It's very hard for me to do that. So a lot of my visuals and and everything that happens other than fashion, I'm actually very uneducated in fashion. (laughs) but that's okay and that's I I couldn't do everything right right um is is something that I always have like I always do it myself and in your process is it like just self-taught or like you seek training Every, yeah everything's just self-taught like you just, like naturally you look at what's popping right and then the the process is actually why it's popping and I'm still in that process and I think that never ends where you go why is something big right like in a musical music sense, anything, anything right anything why is i don't know why is sony such a big company why is apple such a big company anything that you do there's always for me it's always been a why and because of that it's always like my my mind's very philosophical like that trying to figure things out music obviously it was like why is this thing famous so it's breaking down the mechanics and yeah, going backwards going and backwards and when seeing something that's popping you want to take it apart, deconstruct it, and see, well, what was that process like? Yeah. What makes it pop in? Yeah. yeah. So is that how your music is constructed as well? But that's how my life is constructed. That's how I do everything that I do. Um, excuse the burp. All good. <laughs> um, but um, so I, I, I didn't want to be a mus- musician or anything like that full time. Um, I wanted to, you know, produce music. So I, I started doing production on my dad's vocals. Sick. Yeah, dad did like, What's dad did a... So he was doing like some folk? Dad actually did an EP with Bali Sagu. What? I was, I was in that room. I met Bali Sagu. I met, at the time I didn't know who he was. Legend, and, man. you know, met him and stuff and I was... Uh, did that come out? But No, he never came out, but we actually got the CD of the vocals. So I had that... I had those vocals. Just the raw vocals? No effects? Yeah, just the raw vocals. You still have it? Uh, you know what? I reckon I do. I I'll think do I do. some wild shit to it now. Sick. Maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, all of that, like I started discovering how to record, got dad to record a couple of tracks and then started working on that. Well, were, were you, what, what programs were you using at the time? I, I actually started from Logic. Logic. Yeah. This would have been 2007 or something like that. But very like I'm like I'm in you know just a high school kid kind of vibe. Had left high school and started doing that. Oh, you did. You. you I also did. Like I studied to be. I trained to be a pilot. You graduated high school. I graduated high school. Right, right. And then right. I wanted to be a pilot. The pilot part was what was going to be my main source of income. Okay. And uh, I got my qualifications. Got a commercial pilot's license. Then I moved to Melbourne. So from Sydney. Sydney is where I grew up. Moved to Melbourne to get my instructor rating. An instructor rating is where you you train to become an instructor. So you can train other people to be pilots. So I got that. And then, unfortunately, at that moment in time, 
the amount of work available to be a pilot was just minuscule. Like it was very difficult to be a pilot. Wait, brown and pilot? Nah, we're good. <laughs> that too. Yo, yeah. peace out. Nine eleven had happened. All of that oh, was constantly shit. there. Was you know that that idea. This is not nine eleven time, but that was always like a major still factor. Still lingered, you yeah, know, in, in a way. Sure. Um, and you know, I started started doing music as a form of. I started doing music production. So by this time, I had become semi competent at making music, and also by this time, I like I like the humbleness in it. Like you're. You 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 were saying you're semi competent. You're not fully there yet. I don't think I'll, no one's ever fully there yet. Right, but to acknowledge that as a, as now an established yeah, artist is is pretty dope. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, going back to it, I started recording um, students that were like stu- Indian students that had sort of moved to to Melbourne that could sing, and so I wanted to d- produce an album because there's no one in Australia doing anything like that. I hadn't heard anyone doing anything and, like and that. And desi music, and desi music, right? Um, do you guys they, do you guys have like what we have here? Like we have Jackson Heights, we've got Flushing, we've got Bellrose, we've got Edison, we've got like pockets and markets of just South Asians, South Asians. You know, you know, I was such a geek and a dumb cunt <laughs> 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 that I kind of didn't know what was going on. Okay, and it's always been like that. I didn't know what was really going on in terms of like street smartness. Okay. I was always the person that just, I did whatever I felt like this is what I need to do. This is what I want to do, you know? And I spent a lot of time, produced songs for people that were from Melbourne and, you know, started making music. And I was like, wow, this is actually like, I, this is what I really want to do. Um, Dr. Zeus was a huge influence on me. Dr. Zeus's music was when I actually went, okay, so this is what, like, nice music. Tiger style. Have you guys? Of course. Of course. Tiger style, right? I was like, Tiger yeah. style to me was at the pinnacle of beautiful, well-engineered music. Oh, they were incredible. Yeah. And I shouldn't even say were, because their music is still that good. Absolutely. Oh, their right? music's incredible. One of um, one of our, uh, our, one of my neighbors actually did a lot of music with them. Okay. Uh, Bikram Singh Bikram at the time. Bikram yeah. Singh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that song, I, I, I heard that song in that, it, in that time when I was just like a, yeah. Um, they had a peak. run, man, that, and that's coming out of the UK. That I yeah. think that it's it's interesting because you were in Australia being influenced by them. Yeah, so it flipped for, for me from being like music from India yeah. to music from the UK. Interesting because for us Same. as well, like our our whole sound in that era. I mean, if, if you go back to our mixtapes and our everything that we have out online, it's yeah. like all. UK. All the DJs in the time, they were all just they were made by the the British music. Coming oh, hundred percent, thousand percent, hundred percent. And um, yeah, after that, started you know making more music and and just essentially you know whatever. If you're doing something and you constantly, consistently do it, eventually you're gonna get more business. More business is gonna get you, you know, more financial success. So you from, were looking at it at that time already as a business. It wasn't just well. Like, look, flying is very expensive, and my parents had spent a lot of money on me learning to fly. And music was actually bringing me. I wasn't paying to make music. I was getting paid to make music. Not a lot of money, mind mm-hmm. you, but still a positive thing rather than a negative, re- negative thing. Um. So then that eventually led me to doing a track with um, with a singer from Melbourne, Maninder Bart, and that track on SoundCloud did really well. And so he's like, "Let's do another track." So I did another track with him. And then that track did extremely well. This was when Yar and Mulle had just come out. Okay, sure. sure it had been a couple of months. Kola Vedi, all of that was happening. Wow. YouTube was popping, actually. 
So what 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 year are we talking now? This is not too long 2011? ago. 2011? 2010, 10, 11, yeah. 11. 2011. Right, so this is where you're like, we got something here. This is cool. Like yeah. I'm actually successful. This is what I this is what I can do. Right. This is what I'm good at. But but you as the artist was still not developed yet as the as I, the singer. I just wanted to be a producer. I was always a music producer. It's interesting. Some of the best artists like of the, today's generation are guys that just do their own shit. Yeah. From a production and creative standpoint. Yeah, probably. I I I'd, I'd agree with that. I not mean, just not just music wise I think everyone like when it comes to any even including that fashion and everything yeah, it's yeah. always the guys that are just like you know I don't really give a fuck about what's going on I'll, I'll listen to it and see what I can do but I wanna I wanna do it for my own enjoyment to see what I like needless to say that music was shit for me like when I was making that now I listen to it I'm like oh, okay that's not that great <laughs> you know but eventually it got to a point where I can listen to my music after a certain year and go you know what that was good that's good production where I learned the production. Again, going back to mixing and mastering, for example, I was mm. like, I'm not fucking getting anyone to mix and master for me. I'm going to learn it myself. So from, from my first release till now, everything has been mixed and mastered by me. Wow. That's that, that was the other thing. So it's always that, that philosophy of not wanting anyone, not needing anyone to do it. That's not to say you shouldn't get a mixing engineer or mastering engineer. I wasted a lot of time learning something that I probably shouldn't have. At the same time, it's a skill set that I have that I'll always keep with myself. But you have to be very careful with your time, where you spend your time and what you learn so you can use it. Pause for a second. Listeners, if you're just tuning in to Butter Chicken, this is DJ Sharad with my brother, DJ Juicy. We have Pav Daria in the house today all the way from Australia, and he's dropping gems on you guys. He's really, really dropping gems, talking about learning everything and making sure you know it, but you don't necessarily have to do everything yourself is where you're getting yeah at. you don't have to become a master if 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 you want to be someone that makes you know beautiful production as a as a as someone that m does mastering you have to dedicate yourself to become that right absolutely and if you are one of those people that is able to do that really well you're gonna never run out of business for me it was my growth and the things that i had seen that made me compelled to go no i don't want a mixing engineer i don't want a mastering I don't want to get it mastered. I want to know myself how it's done. I've just, it's just my personality. I'm a person like that. I'm, I like knowing what's going on. And for me, it worked really well. You know, like people would get music production done from me and be like, Baji, how much is mixing mastering going to cost? I'm like, nothing. I'm doing it. And so things like that, you know, when music was done, they were like, oh, working with you, it seems like, like it's a lot easier. And the other philosophy that I had as a music producer was, so I never, ever worked for free. Even when I was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, you heard that? <laughs> Yo, pan the camera to Jay. <laughs> Jay, don't take his advice. <laughs> Work for free as long as you can, okay? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it was anything. Yeah, I was like, right. the thing is, I respect the fact that I'm putting effort into this. Question for you. Does, fr does not working for free always mean there has to be a check or money attached? Or can there be rewards or payment in other forms outside of money um real real Are question sexual favors here i don't know because that's very personal that's a personal thing for someone right. i can't say to anyone don't ever work for free as a as like everyone should never work for free right right because i did certain things that i people would have thought were for free right mm -hmm. but i was like 
So I'm nothing. Imagine at this point, right? I'm nothing. I, I I'm just starting out. And I had someone ask me, "Hey, do you want to do like behind the scenes shooting for a film?" Right. And I was like, "I'll do it, but it's gonna cost you this much." And I was nervous. I was like, "I hope I get this." Okay. Because I was like, "I'm not going there and doing it for free." I don't know why. It's just something that I've read on Reddit or some shit. I don't know, <laughs> but it I, that was a philosophy that I had, and I tend to. Um, I think I've taken advantage of that on this side now, where I've had people work for free. But I generally—that's <laughs> <laughs> their problem, right? <laughs> oh shit! Okay, because in this music game, there's so many. You know, there's it's a lot about relationships, so. You know, if if you if you're you're the hottest artist at the time and you have a record out, uh-huh. you, I'm assuming beatmakers are gonna say, "Yo, here's this beat path. Just do something." You, with you it. heard of the idea? Money makes money. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, success brings success. Right. It's, just, it's one of those things that's gonna get you. Like you know, people that are rich actually can live off of the idea of other people knowing that they're successful, and not have to worry about food. Whereas someone who can't afford to you know buy food is probably gonna have a problem because they have to work extra hard to get food. It's like people that don't need money will get free money. Isn't that some crazy People shit? that don't need girls will get girls. People that are hungry and thirsty won't. It's just a part of life, right? Sure. And what I what I mean by girls is also applying to the other way around. Girls that are like thirsty will like kind of not get the right guys. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. It's either, either way. And it's not just that. Anything. Anything in life. When you're thirsty for something... You're not thirsty for the philosophy of it, but something that's superficial, you're not going to get it. You're going to get the worst part. We have a we have a statement that we always say, and and that's hunger over thirst. Yeah. Like so, we we we're always hungry for for more, or we always hunger hungry for knowledge, or hungry for what's next. But the minute you present that thirstiness, it's yeah, it's it's absorbed by the other people as a you negative. You can't tell when someone's hungry, but you can usually tell when they're thirsty because their lips are dry. Interesting. Bars right That's there. Bars. Right? I should start writing that. <laughs> That's a good one. We're gonna loop yeah. that we're gonna loop that up and listen to that all night. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's a fact. But that's good. I like the way you guys have put that too. Like hunger like hunger over thirst. Definitely. And I was I always, I'm still hungry. I will never stop being hungry. Love and it. that's the other thing. Like I don't think I'm ever gonna be happy. Because happiness is such a boring fucking thing. Like you're happy now what? I'm what, happy. What I'm happy you that have? you're here, bro. Say again. I'm genuinely happy that you're here. I think Juicy is too. I'm definitely. Happy. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's temporary happiness. Sure. Facts. Cool. Yeah. And that's something that you. The fact that you got me here is because you thought you would be happy for me to be here. Yeah, we're very happy. But Man, you, I'm ecstatic. The only bro. reason you did that is for to chase the happiness. Now, eventually, that happiness is going to go. To say that we become friends, right? You're going to be like, that's Pav. That's just a mate. Before this, it's. It's someone that's mysterious to you. You don't know me. I'm an artist and I have something to give you that you possibly don't have. Everyone has that. Like you guys have something to give me that I don't have. Certain clout in your group, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. So when you sort of do this thing where you're like happy, you're happy, your brain's automatically going to get bored. And then when you're bored, then it's like, what's the next thing? But the thing is, we always chase happiness going, that's the ultimate, like happiness is the ultimate goal. You can never be happy. You can never be happy like on a permanent basis. So until we stop really like like thinking about that and going, okay, you know what? 
Whatever makes me happy, I'm going to chase that. But happiness is not the ultimate goal. It's funny. I think I think a parallel to that is um, kids these days, and, and even myself, I'm guilty of this, of whipping out my phone and getting instant gratification by looking at social media. Uh-huh. Uh, instant gratification by having access to anything, Google, this, that, and the third. Yep. So it's it's just like a, a kind of like a, a parallel to what you just said. Like then what what's next, right? Like what is next? Yeah. Th- you, then you pull your phone out again and again and again and again, and it's it's like if you have social anxiety, you're gonna pull your phone out because at least you look like you're not a loner. Sure. You're doing something. But people do that. Yeah. I do that. I do that all the time. Yeah. It's such a natural thing though. Like social media, no one would have thought how big social media would have been. But it's just such a big part of life now. So speaking of social media, um, how important do you think social media is for anyone in the arts uh, these days? Coming out, just coming out, um, people putting out music or people putting out their their art form. How 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 important is having social media presence? It's a really interesting question. Because I'm very like I've I don't I want to stay off social media. This is my sort of little battle with social media. Is I can spend hours on it because with social media I don't like the idea of being just a just a profile there. If I'm on social media and I put put a post up and someone asks a question or someone says something, I'd like to be able to reply to that because I feel like that's the human thing to do. So. Social media, like it's, I think it's really important, especially for people that need to get their music discovered. But was it Gary V? He's the, so big, right? Sure. He talks about something that's really important. People put social media before the creative process and Fuck. before the creation itself. I can tell you, I can spend a lot of money on distribution and on promotion if my product is shit. Good fucking luck to me. It is not going to go anywhere. It is just not going to happen. If my product is really, really good, it's going to do it itself. I know that because it's happened to me. And I'm not talking about Naja. Two tracks that I did, and the first track before that, Maninder's song that I was talking to you about, Mm -hmm. we knew what it meant to have a hit song. Because without us trying, people knew. That's good production. And I don't mean music production. That's good. That's a good product, right? Mm-hmm. When there's a good product, it automatically just gets to people. Then your job is to make sure that the second product that you put out is good. Right, the follow-up. But always concentrate. 90% of your force, your aim, should be about creating good content, creating good music, creating a good mix, making sure the lyrical content is there. All of that is there. Right? Because nothing is as powerful as word of mouth. How the fuck does Amway stay in business? They don't advertise. It's because for for some people, or whatever those schemes are, right? Um, For some people, the idea of word of mouth as a marketing strategy is good enough. For companies that are like multi-billion dollar companies, word of mouth is good enough for them. So why can't word of mouth be good enough for music? If you make good music, I'm telling you, you consistently keep making good music, you're going to be out there. And as soon as you go, oh, you know what? I'm out there now. What's next for me in terms of like, let's not worry about music because I've done this. What's like, how do I change my audience or this or that? 
then your level of what you're doing drops. And when that drops and you're not connected to it from like how, why you first started, it's, it's meaningless. It becomes useless because you might get more views or you might get more clout, but I know who the real fans are, right? I did a show in Toronto and someone drove down six hours to come see me for a show. And I was like, holy fuck, that's what being a musician's all about. You get what I mean? I do get what you that's, mean. That's that's meaningful. That to me is like, okay, that okay, I get it. I'm doing I'm doing all right. Yeah. And when people sing your songs, for example, you go on stage and you know, you do a set and people sing along with you, then it's just like it's the most beautiful thing. There's a there's a um I was watching a video of um Atif Aslam sure. and his concert. Sure. You know, he's got a couple of thousand people there. And he's basically, this is what he's, he sings the song, Tere Bin Menu Kese Jia. And this is what he sings, Tere. That's it. That's it. Everyone oh, else sings the rest of the song. It's crazy. I don't know if you remember this, but so last year, uh, Juicy and I DJed a show in New York called UDC. It was about 2,000. Uh, yeah. Yep. About 2,000 plus people in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a set. So we had a DJ set. And when we do our DJ sets, typically I'm, if it's a joint set where it's me and him together, he's the hype man and I'm playing the records. Uh-huh. So we're playing record after record, and we're, our objective was to play big hit after big hit, no filler music, just yeah. monster, massive anthems at yep. the time. Yep. And we go one anthem, another anthem, and we're going old school. We're going like RDB records. We're going sub B records. We're, we're, and then we're building up to new records. And finally, it comes to the end of our set. And I, I give this, I don't know if you remember, I remember. This, but I'll show you the video later, which is, it, it really showed me the power of what you had done with this one record. I we shut down the music completely and I gave an entire like fucking three minute speech <laughs> on what it meant to be brown in New York City yep. and how powerful we are as a community. Yep. And right after we give this speech and we get people going crazy, I'm talking we're shouting out Tamils, Sri Lankans, Pakistanis, Bangladeshis, Punjabis. So it's a very diverse brown audience in this room. We end the speech. I fucking make them go crazy. And then we drop Naja. And when we drop Naja, all I said was, sing this bitch, drop the music, and you hear 2,000 people, girls, guys from all parts of the community who don't, might not even speak the language, yeah. might not even understand what the fuck you're saying. But every single person, and the female voices were out of control. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And it was the whole audience singing Remember, that, that shit record. gave me goosebumps that it was, gave me and when yeah. i watch that video it's that's like crazy. Yeah. So, i like to see so this so as, so as djs we're we're like playback we're playback guys right yeah so we have to pick what's hot but at that at that very moment yeah that that was the absolute biggest desi record in that time period Agreed. i would say yeah that's freaking crazy Right. It's, do you remember when high heels dropped? Sure, of course. <laughs> it was the biggest yeah. fucking thing. It, but, but that what, that day, I said I was like, I want a song like this one day. So so we look at records and we'll be like, where we can easily gauge what's a hit. Like we can we can hear a record and be like, this shit is a fucking smash. Yeah. And it's gonna last a few months. Yeah. Or this is what we call a classic or yeah. a, a future classic. Uh-huh. Where that record sits is easy because it represents a time period now. Mm -hmm. It represents this era. Yeah. And amongst those records, there's other records, right, that sound similar. Yeah. Um, but that's a standout record. Absolutely. So when you say 10 years from now, the way you can go back to an old Bally record or an old Rishi record, when 
the scene was in its like sort of early, that that golden era that people talk about in Desi yeah. in urban Desi music specifically yep. was like that 2002 to 2006 2007 where like it was just smash after smash. Yeah. If you look at this current time period, there's like 10 or 15 smashes. And I would put that record in that. Without a For doubt. Sure. Yeah. yeah. In that category. And it's fucking incredible because the, the record still has legs. Yeah. Which is what I want to get to because you've been very fucking vocal about YouTube uh, views specifically. We touched a little on social media, but yep. I, I saw... Uh, a past interview you did uh, with the Frequency Boys, yeah, where you were very, very vocal about fake views and how that impacts the industry. And a lot of our listeners might not have seen that or know about the interview we're talking about. But I, I, I want you to touch on that and explain to the audience what's really going on from your perspective when it comes to records being amplified because of the, I guess, the purchase or the added promotion of of yeah. particular records. Okay, so let me clear the air a little bit. I have uh, nothing against Gurindal. Beautiful voice. I think, I, again, I say one of the most talented vocalists, beautiful mm-hmm. singer, good music, right? Yep. The problem becomes for me when guys that are making music that is just as good, if not better, have nothing going on for them. Because what's happening is there's a way, and, and I'm sort of starting to understand why it is that things are the way they are, right? And it is that when a company invests, you know, a lot of money into making a product, they also invest a lot of money into making that product a hit, right? Sure. So how many HTC phones have you seen and, and advertisements for that? Maybe not HTC, but say Samsung or or Sony. Um, a lot of times Sony will put their song into uh, uh, their product into a, into an ad or whatever. So th- there's a lot of money that goes behind into products. That's not to say that the product is good. Absolutely. Right? So what I was saying, and the entire time I've been saying this, is that a lot of the times when you're looking at views and you're going, this song's had 20 million views in like three days, that is not real. Because a lot of money has gone behind into buying views. A lot of money's gone, and by buying, I mean you can even advertise for that. You're still buying it. Mm. Do you get that? One hundred percent. Like you, you have to have money to do it. There's, there's, it's not to say, but how many? Have you ever heard of this saying that people think that there are singers and there are singers that have sold their zamin to be singers? Yeah. Right. People have sold their land because they they make money, and by selling their land, they can make that money, put that money into music video, into music, and become a singer. Sure. You can do that. But it's not an artistic way of doing things. And it's not the right way of doing things as far as I'm aware. Interesting. The right way of doing things is with passion, with honor. Right? And that's with anything. That could be fashion. You could be a DJ. You've got to be an honorable person. Once you start doing things that manipulate people, and that's to say manipulate people's perception. Mm -hmm. So, and... If you... So, why do you take your friend with you to, to, say, a store when you buy clothes? Because you want another opinion. Because you know that you might have an opinion, but there's a different opinion to you that might like that. So if you take 10 friends with you and all of them like this one pair of jeans that you wear, that you try on, but you hate it, you're probably still going to buy it. Because mm. you're like 10 people liked it. And that's the same thing with views. When you go and you watch a song and the song's got, you know, 20 million views in a week, you're like, oh, everyone must be loving this song. Sure. So, so you, naturally your defenses for that song sort of go down and you're not judging it anymore mm. now you're going okay oh, this is a good song 
So now I have to like it. So there's a manipulation tactic. And that, yes, I talked about views specifically. My bad that I singled Guru out, maybe because T-Series was the biggest thing going on at the time and yeah, still you, is. And you didn't really single him out. Like in... in, in I listened to the whole interview. Yeah, and you clearly said that there was you lo- loved him as a singer. I, I still do. Yeah, right? there's nothing against him as a singer. I have nothing against him as a singer, and I have nothing against his music either. There's there's no problem when it comes to the music side of things. Right. I uh, the the problem that I had and the problem that I was o- that I will always have is that there's good music because of the money that's behind it and the marketing that's behind it becomes very very good. Sure. And most people that listen to that music go, oh, that's really good because it's popping, right? Mm-hmm. And so go back to the reverse engineering that I was doing, right? And they go, okay, we well, need to make music like this. So music that's mediocre, to me, it's like mediocre, right? Guru's, Guru's done some songs which were like, he he did a song with Arjun, which was um, Same Girl. Yep. He did a song mm-hmm. with, with him. Then he did another song a little bit later. I was like, wow, this guy is so fucking good, right? Like, I really hope he does really well. And he did. No doubt about it. His voice, unique. Especially when he sings low. I hate his high shit, but when he sings low, he's got this beautiful tone to his voice. And everyone's like, he's, he's you know, um, saying shit to Guru or having some sort of a problem with him. I don't have a problem with, with him at all. I think he's right. a good musician. Sure, right. What I have a problem is with is the system that makes people believe that he's the best musician out there. Do you understand what I'm trying to Which say? Which is the labels. Which and, is the labels. And the, the manipulation of YouTube That's right. And also n- not just manipulation of views, but making views sound like that is the ultimate goal of music. The goal of music is not to make views. The goal of music is to satisfy the person that's making the music and satisfy the people that are listening to it to a point where they don't have to look at the view count. That's why YouTube was such a fucking good thing. Because no one... No one cared about where this music was coming from. They didn't even really look at views. They looked at the the song, right? And if it was good, they'd share it. And then eventually it would gain views. And that was genuine. And that view counter represented truth. Sure. Because you can't trust people, which is why blockchain is such a big thing. You're talking early YouTube. Early early YouTube. YouTube was a big thing because YouTube started making, showing people what good music is with numbers. We like numbers, Right. But then when you start manipulating the numbers, you no longer know what good music is or what a good product is. That's what I'm against. I'm against manipulating numbers. And if all of a sudden, say tomorrow, everyone dropped this idea of views counting, watch what happens to music. Just watch. It's going to become absolutely fucking beautiful. But that's not going to happen. <laughs> Yo, I like this guy. Me too, man. <laughs> is dope very insightful yeah. so again I, I i'll say th- i'll say this to guru i've i've it's it, this has nothing to do with him as a person have, have you guys met no i've talked to him and, and not after that but i've talked to him prior to that and and i always think that he's a he's a very good artist and he's done very very well for himself yeah absolutely. how those things have happened by the label and everything else that's going on in in terms of promotion and all of that is not good it's not good for the the image of artists like come on man we're artists we're, we're fakirs we're people that don't really care about clout that much 
We care about music, and we should always care about good music. If you're doing, a, you know, if you're remaking Tebote into like a Punjabi song, oh my God, there's so much hate on that. <laughs> I know, Juicy loved that song. I do. It's, it's fine. It's fine catchy. Catchy. <laughs> my first song I as made, a DJ, I like it because it's 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 gonna make people dance. You're, right, right. You're sure. an, another artist friend of ours also was like, "Yo, this is a shit song." Well, okay, look, it might, it's a good song on its own, right? Mm-hmm. But because I'm a producer and I make music, I know that that's cheating. Right. When you cheat, why the fuck are drugs banned in the Olympics? <laughs> it's cheating. Why? why? Because they're performance enhancing. Right? Yeah. So how the fuck is copying a composition that you know is a bomb composition, how is that and copying every little part of it, you know that that's performance enhancing. Absolutely, right. that's where you take the art out of it and you bring business in. And Bollywood's doing it. Well, well, I, I, Bollywood's I, a whole new fucking game. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I, 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 I definitely agree with 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 complete rips are, are not the way to go. The complete rips idea, you just shouldn't do it. And if you do it, then you go, this is a cover, right? Mm. Okay, because that's a but, fucking but, cover. But mm. I do like music that's inspired by other music. You can't have music that's not inspired by exactly. other music. Exactly. So like. Which leads me to you reckon a baby's gonna make music? <laughs> well, which leads me to funk. Um, I thought funk was a fucking smash. It's a smash. It's in a smash. my head. It is. It's 100%. a fucking it's beautifully smash. produced. Yeah, it's so well done. I think the team on it. It was such a big team of guys on it, and it was really refreshing to to see it come out. And uh, did we hear it together for the first time? We did. And we had said like, "Yo, this is on some like Mark Ronson." Bruno Mars, Bruno Mars yeah. vibes, yep. but completely us. Yep. And to me, it was like almost, I think it's like the first of its kind. It's the first disco Punjabi vibe, right? It's not disco, sorry. Like but funk, that funk, funk. Yeah. Funk, yeah. Which and, is why we named it that. And it's like completely, I could tell it's completely inspired by the Bruno Mark Ronson sound. Absolutely. Why wouldn't it be? And it's so fucking dope. But yeah. it's and it's so unique still. Yeah. So tell us how that collaboration was put together. Like, what was the mindset on that? We had Prophecy here a few weeks ago, by the way. Yeah. And uh, he was mentioning that he wrote on the record. Yeah, he wrote uh, the melody and, and a little bit of the lyrics. And well. this is this is all public. This is all public knowledge now because the the Prophecy episode dropped. But he said that you said that you guys really wanted him on the record. I still do. I fucking hate him for not being on it. <laughs> That's what I told him the other day. I was like, you're an idiot for not being on it because I really wanted you on this song. And he said he was kind of kicking himself, but he was like... I'm in, glad he better... He, <laughs> he was in like album mode. Yeah, he was in his yeah. album flow. And he's he, very he's very reserved. He's got his own thing. Mm. That's that's why he's an, he's an artist in that way in that he... he knows that what he wants that's not necessarily what i agree with mm-hmm. but he knows what he wants and he does that we respect that yeah 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 that's cool and and so what we're seeing now is this people respect that too absolutely this no, co- sure. this collaborative effort with this this generation of artists on a global level yeah and juicy and i as a veteran djs in the scene we're seeing it and we're like there is this resurgence this new energy this beautiful collaborative effort amongst artists and we don't necessarily have to uh, route through India anymore. Mm-hmm. Everything can route amongst other continents and countries, and we still put together this amazing content. So yeah. I, I want to understand that particular effort and how it came together, and 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 you know what it me- what it means to you. Okay, um, funk. So funk was a song that uh, JJJ Static. Sick. So let's call him JJ from now on. Sure. Uh, JJ showed me the beat for, and. He's, look, and now I don't remember 100% what was on there. I think 
I don't know if Prophecy's melody was already on there or not, but I had a song that I was doing earlier with someone, and I didn't like the way that song turned out, but I still had the lyrics and the composition from that song. And that song was... Um, and that original song was um if i could, can't remember <laughs> but uh, because now i've heard this melody so many times but i had the lyrics from that so i put that on this song and then prophecy sang a, a composition on this that had no words and it was just like mumbled and so we started looking at some uh, some lyrics and then i wrote i think i wrote a line on that melody um i would have to look at look through all of the iterations of it mm-hmm. um and then i think fatte was in jj's studio this is something where jj should be a part of this otherwise i might i might be lying <laughs> but um you know he decided to jump on that and um the whole the song itself like fatte wrote his own part there were one or two bits of his that we changed um but overall, you know, we knew from pretty much that second, the time when, when Prophecy's melody and the lyrics came together, we were like, oh, this is, this is what we want. I, and I'm, and you know, I'm, again, come, come back to this. You're not the first person I've heard this from who's said to me that this is one of the nicest songs that they've heard. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the view count, it's like uh, probably a million or something like that. So yeah, we don't give a fuck about views either. But what I'm but saying the is industry that it's does, still, right? right? Right. Not just industry, people do. Sure. Right. Right. You guys oh, actually industry doesn't, but people do. Right. Industry, industry knows understands what good music is. Sure. People kind of don't. People will have to listen to that on, on radio play and all that all that sort of stuff. Um and, and that's just that's the case of, of uh of music. There's always people that are gonna want something and there's always industry that's gonna know and respect something. And they don't always if and if ever a line so i have this this breakdown of the actual music the music industry and then the music business and all of these three things have to coexist and some yeah. and sometimes in most cases these three things don't always align the way the music would like it to that's right but we as musicians we exist in this space and we have to be very understanding of the music business and the machines yeah, exactly. on, on top of us. And it's really important for the youth to know. So on our on our show, we have a lot of artists come through. We touch on publishing. We touch on royalties. We touch on split sheets. We touch on production credit. We, we talk a lot about this because we really like to educate the listener as well. Most young kids that might be listening who might be 17 or 18 right now, maybe they have a, a, a program or maybe they, they have a dope beat and, and, and a great record and that record just sits, but they don't know what to do with the record or they don't know how to monetize off the record or turn it into something where it can be bigger, but it might be the absolute dopest work, but it can't... Or trash. Or trash. Or trash. Yeah. But, but if it is d- dope... It can't go anywhere, or it, it doesn't go where it needs it go to as go. Big as, and I'm I'm probably a uh, a victim of that sometimes. So when you when you say that, I w- I want to ask you something because what I've seen from you know an artist like yourself, you're a passionate artist, and you you don't hold punches when it comes to your knowledge and educating people about the industry and the business itself. Do you think doing that, speaking the truth and speaking your mind, does does that 
make people who have power possibly look at you and want to hold you out, block you out, or box you out? Or like this is a real question. Probably. Have you wit- have you felt it? Have you witnessed it? Have you seen have you seen it? Because we had we had Raghavan here last season, and he he told us his story about how one day when his first album dropped, six million copies, Storyteller. India was on his shit. Everyone was loving him. He would go there. They'd roll out the red, the red carpet for him. And when India decided to put the brakes on him as an artist, it was everything overnight. Mm-hmm. Pause. Because India has the power to do that to an artist in India. Possibly. Look, I don't know the politics of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything regards to what happened with Raga. Right, right, right. In fact, if... I'm the person that went. Oh, where where did that guy go? We mm. all we all did, yeah. and he told us his story, which was really interesting. I'd, I'd I'd love to know what episode that is. I'll have a listen to that. But um, the look, I twenty percent of the people in the world own eighty percent of the money, right? And then you got about one percent that own fifty percent of it, right? So if you walk around, I'm, tr- I'm trusting your your numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I need to be I need to be positive. About this. <laughs> but um, fact, we'll check, look it up fact later. check it. Just the eighty twenty rule doesn't have to apply to money. It applies to everything. In life. Sure, right. Um, but do you see eighty percent of the money? I think it's hidden. It's hidden, right? Mm. You don't see ninety nine percent of the money. What you see outside when you walk on the street is normal every day. It's normal concrete. If you really want to see money, you're going to be looking at people that, you know, come to Vegas and they're gambling like you know, two million bucks. Uh, 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 what a do hand, you call it? A hand. A hand or something yeah. like that. That's real money. Yeah. That's, and I shouldn't say real money because that's kind of fake money. Sure. But that's big money. So you don't see that. But that big money also holds big power. And it'll be naive to think that this world works in a very transparent way. It does not. People that have money have power. That's, and if they decide a, a certain day, and that's not, and the thing is, it's not like every rich person is friends with every rich person. It's not like that. It's a, it's an idea overall. If if big money decides one day that they don't want to have this person do something that's making them lose money, mm-hmm. they'll do anything and everything in their power to make that come down. So, I nothing directly for me has happened like that, and I can tell you if it did happen, I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save my ass then. But um, just I think it's important to be truthful, but not be so truthful that you damage the progress that you potentially can make. And that's something that I have to be very careful of. I never wanna because everyone, even someone who murders someone in that moment in time has a reason to do so. And I know that sounds weird. And I'm, I'm not saying that I can not murder. That's fuck, my G. <laughs> yeah, but, but I get Right. It. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, in no. that moment in time, yeah. in their brain, it's just a brain decided that this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do that. Sure. They didn't have power to do that. Sure. And like two hours later, when all the emotions are gone, they're like, fuck, fuck. what the fuck did I do? Yeah. You get that, right? Absolutely. Which is murder and manslaughter. The difference in that and, and all that sort of stuff. Sure. But, um, a manslaughter is when you kill someone without intent. To, without intent, right? right? But say that you have intent and you have intent in that one moment, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person overall. You might have done really, really good things. Right. So when when it comes to like, with, with me, like if, if that's happening, like if someone's doing really bad things for me or against me, they might be doing that to protect their own ass. 
like exactly you know the so box i'm okay out. with it like do whatever you need to do to make your life better i'm gonna do whatever i need to do to make mine let the music speak let the music speak as long as it can and and also try and get more people into the music business in the right way to make good music and that's it that's a that's a that's a great segue into my next point um, product will prevail yeah and and it seems like the collaborative efforts uh are are big on a global scale for you and you're you're helping now put out other artists as well uh outside of yourself you you came to the studio today you showed up with rocket beats and bavan yeah, rocket and bavan yeah. uh and it's interesting because uh we've sort of watched your grind from the sidelines for the last couple of years and uh we as DJs really take notice to things we we keep our ear to the street we keep we keep our eyes on what's going on and uh there seems to be some synergy between the boys here from New York and uh and your efforts coming out of Australia tell us a little bit about all these collaborative efforts that you're doing i saw a new video that Bavan put out yeah, a few so days we, ago yeah so we so um we produced that video for him okay um there's that 47 47 studios okay that's that's uh that's us nice that's uh figured as much huh figured as much <laughs> so is yeah. that the is that the replacement of the you and arun's um, oh, that ended, a, uh, that ended a while ago. That ended when um, Aaron decided to take a corporate corporate. Uh, do you know term. about that? I do. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking about but that was a corporate the, You know, in hindsight, that was pretty, uh, it wasn't going to happen. Right. We're very different people. But that was like the video production arm of your sort of. Sort of. But this is more so an arm of not just video production. Okay. This is where I think, this is my way of developing artists that I think are important, that are the next thing. And that's my that's my sort of take on it so we there's there's four partners okay and we all have certain strengths okay and the 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 idea is to be you know bringing music good music forward and not just music bringing good artists forward and is it specifically them. south asian uh driven yeah i think look that's my strength so it'd be naive of me to try and you know try and get something else happening maybe in the future if 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 this if our production becomes bigger and bigger we can get get more happening but right now it's just one step at a time and the first step that we've taken like, is with Bavan's video the one that we just released Teri San Lorni that track yep. and um, in the future we've got um, we've got that happening so we're um, taking on artists and we're developing their career developing them to become so, so 47 is the production company the management company it's everything okay so it's yep. like the the house the house so it's four seven studios is a develop it's a is an agency that we want to use to develop artists. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And yeah, I, it's and, a and bit of a dream at the moment, but yeah, it's but a dream that it's it's very likely to be a reality where we can then start influencing music in the way we 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 have always wanted to. So is now that different from a a, a Pav Daria presents on top of a? No, because I'll always have my personal. So it's it works like this, right? Um, Can I pause you for one second sure. before you break it down for us? Uh, ladies and gents, if you're just tuning in, this is the Butter Chicken Podcast with your boy DJ Sharad. And DJ Juicy. And we're talking to Pav all the way from Australia, and he's breaking down the science of how this, this game is sort of progressed for him uh, beyond making the music. Uh, our guy has launched uh, his own production house, uh, create creative house, if you will, uh, to help uh, other artists and also... I'm assuming it's a business model to. It's a business. Let, yeah, to, to I mean, it's not just to help other artists. <laughs> right. I want to help myself. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So let's but be clear on that. It's a mutual. <laughs> it's thing, so right? it's sure. it's a it's not a non-profit. 
This no, is, this it doesn't is. have a dot .org at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell us about 47 and how it came about and then the difference between Pavdaria Productions and then you have you, you guys do a lot with Whitehill. Um yeah, so Whitehill did did was was doing my my products. So Naja was with with with, with Whitehill. Right. Um but I'm not signed to Whitehill or anything like that. It was it was a um one off. Uh, not just one off. We have we have uh, multiple projects. other lineups right, to right, do it right, together right. as well. Right, right. I like working with different people to see what what's going on. Right. right. So with like you were saying, so Four Seven Studios is where we decide that this is an artist that all four of us like. And who's we? Um, so it's me, my best mate Manav, who I've discussed on the other podcast as well. But uh, you know we've grown up together and done music together and everything. We're just uh, it's the closest thing to a brother basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also hate his guts sometimes. So. You know, definitely one of those. <laughs> um, Savvy and Rohit. And they, they those two I met a little bit later on. But they're very good with... There's certain things, that qualities that they have that Manav and I don't have. Got it. So it's a team here. It's a team effort. Okay. Yeah. Like and a lot of the times I can't be in the studio or I can't be in Australia. Mm-hmm. Right. So these are the trusted people that are going to be a part of that growth for us. So home base is for the company is Australia. Home base will be Australia. So why a New York act? Right now? Um, yeah. I think it's the closest thing to what we want as an act. Okay. Yeah. And that's a that's a Pavan uh Pavan. Pavan right now is, is something that, that we looked at and we went, This is a person that we would like to represent what we want to do. And not just him. Right. So Pavan is one of the acts that we have mm-hmm. and um we don't want it to be specifically, you know, um urban urban Punjabi music there will be other acts as well that awesome. we can, that we're going to develop but uh, coming back to your question why is uh, why is Pavdaria Presents not a part of that is because now it's a decision that we all four of us make so this is where something something that we decide and we go okay this is an artist that we all really like to would like to develop but there are sometimes like I like someone that no one else likes or <laughs> I like someone that two of us like right right mm-hmm. and so then I will go no I want to work with this person but I don't want to be using my other partner's time for this. I'm very specific with what I want to do with this person. I love I love this breakdown because Juicy and I have this. It's very, yeah, we have, we, we, yeah, own, yeah. we own so you go multiple companies. Yeah. And there you go. Just and yeah. but, but we're also separate in other projects. Yeah, and things like so that. that gives yeah. you freedom to do what you want. But it also means that the people, the, the company that's doing doing an artist or or bringing to you know, developing an artist, that's a joint effort on that company, and so it's a little bit different because sometimes like say that three of the other boys decide that they want to do uh, a song with Bhavan, right? And I hate the fucking song. I'm going to be okay with it. Right. Do you get that? 100%. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was just me, then I'm making every single decision on that. And I'm 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 sort of like not wanting to do that anymore. I want to have um, things that I, my brain might go, no, I don't like that, but it might be likable by a lot of people. Sure. And that, I think that should be allowed to develop. And vice versa. If there's something I really love, and the other, uh, you know, the other three guys are like, "No, this is not something we can do it at this moment in time," I and I, I'm an emotional person like that, and I go, "I really want to do this." Then I'll do it. Right. Me and you are very alike in uh, in that manner. I yeah. Guess. It's yeah. That's like spot on. It's our business model. Yeah. We do we do the same thing. I think business works like that in general as well. It does, but it also takes a lot of time to develop the right team. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, sometimes you you start with the team and then visions get misaligned and you know uh ideas get 
changed in the course of it. So and putting your team together yeah. and keeping that team. It's so much harder than, than you know, you think when you start off. Oh, so wrong. even me going at the record label, it was a bunch of cunts fucking, dis- <laughs> you know, their shit like <laughs> this and be that. easy. Then you become a record label when you go, okay, I kind of got why they were treating <laughs> me like that or whatever, right? Yeah. But the one thing that when we started this and, and is going to remain the number one thing is the artist should never feel like this is the wrong thing that they did. They should always feel like this was the best decision that we made. Mm. So, sounds like the Brown Rock Nation. Uh, I, I, maybe. <laughs> it should always be about the artist. Right, right, right. right. That's and, cool. And they should always feel like they're, they're important because without them, it's it's, it's not going to exist. I agree. And I agree. record labels should take note of that. Yeah. Right? The big record labels, I think that the big, big ones are okay with that. But the small ones, especially the like you know, the really the, the really really Punjabi ones, they do not treat artists well. They do not treat specifically artists well. out of Punjab and specifically out of Punjab. Yeah, yeah. So, so so it's cool to be doing this on a global level. Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like there's a reason that artists sign with a label is because the label provides a certain thing for them. Absolutely, and that's something that I hope that we can do for for the the artists that we're gonna have. Good. Well, we're we're glad that you are are, are using this um, platform with the New York artist that we've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah. Sort of seen his grind. And I, I met him about a year ago and I heard him sing a cappella at a conference yeah. and he blew my mind. And He's I got such a beautiful tone. Yeah, super, I, I, He's listening to me right now, I think, in the, in yeah, the room. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about him. Fuck that. <laughs> we could give him some shine. <laughs> That's fine. He's a New York boy. Nah, he's <laughs> ugly too. <laughs> <laughs> ugly as a shit voice. Uh, let's talk about Roti real quick. Yeah. Because yeah, that, that was... when that came out, I had texted Rock, Rocket Beats or I DM'd him and I was like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> what just happened? Is yeah, this shook shit up. For, yeah. for like a few weeks, yeah. uh, we were just fucking. It still goes going. off with like, yeah. oh, hell perform yeah. Perform in front of you. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. De- definitely. University crowd. They it definitely that. goes off. But like, how how did that one come about? Like, what, like that, was that a joke that just turned into a record? Yep. Like, straight up. Yeah. I mean, talk about it. That's it. It was a joke <laughs> that turned into a song. I saw a, a remix by, by I forgot his Insta name again, with Aman from, from the UK. He did like a remix of Naja and this other track. Right. And I way, saw that. Yeah, the way he had done that, I was like, Rocket, we should do something like this, but actually make a song out of it. So I wrote the song and, and um, then I sent it to Rax and Rax really liked it. I was like, you want to rap on it? He goes, yeah, okay. That's <laughs> like how it happened. And then that's got, out comes a song. So, so it's interesting. You have a, a really good relationship with the boys here in New York. Uh-huh. Uh, Australia is popping. You're coming out of there with your stuff. And then our our Rax is a, a very good friend of the show, a good friend of us. Uh, he's actually helped us tremendously early when we were starting our show. He was one of our first yeah. guests. Salute, Rax. And uh, you, it seems like you guys do a lot of work together as well. Yeah, not a lot, but we well, do I mean, enough. you did big joints. I mean, Roti yeah. and then the record on his album. Yeah. Yamla Jart. Yamla Jart. Incredible record. Yeah. Uh, so how did that how did that pop up? Uh, he hit me up and he said, this is a song that, that I have. What do you think? I heard it a couple of times and you know, out came the hook line that I have on there. Right. So you know, f- in terms of me, it wasn't much effort. It was just it happened. I didn't actively write that song. It, it was a song that he sent me. Then I went, okay, this is nice. And you know, whatever came out of the brain was put on that. But him and I have been, you know, every time I've, I, I see him, it's a, it's a, it's a good feeling. He's, he's a very, very good guy. The cool kid. You guys joking heavy on the gram. Um, you're, yeah, we're pretty funny. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try hilarious. and take the mickey out of each other <laughs> if we can. So, so what? What's the the purpose of you being in New York now? Why were we able to catch you here? What's what's going on? Um, you know, just working with Bubba and trying to to 
figure out what else we need to do in, to to get growth happening in terms of that and overall you know understanding more of the more of the scene in new york at least for him as well what do you what do you think you've toured probably the world at this point you've probably been everywhere what what are your thoughts on coming to the states and and rocking shows here versus anywhere else in the world well this is a um this is a cool place you know i, I like it now <laughs> i didn't before it felt like it was too busy but i guess once you spent a little bit of time there time here you you start enjoying it and obviously i met met prophecy while i was here and 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 met arjun as well last night so it was just a nice nostalgic experience to meet these guys because i haven't you know haven't seen arjun for a while as well and and it was good to good to meet him and everyone happened to be you know in this mm. part of town at the time even fatih so that was good yeah it just feels like there's so many people coming through new york and it just happens to yeah. be like yeah. it's all the time now so we're, yeah that's true and it, it this is almost becoming like the one of the hubs of uh creation it probably will be it yeah. probably will be I've, i've noticed that there's a good energy around good energy there's a lot of studios there's a lot of upcoming producers there's a ton of underground yeah I, so i walked into the wrong studio before right and i was and everyone was holding pizzas right and i'm like hey it's the butter chicken podcast why are you guys are eating pizzas <laughs> and they all look at me and they're like who the fuck are you <laughs> and the girl that was guiding us there she's like uh and, and pavan is like yo i think this is the wrong place and i'm like oh shit yeah, so, that was embarrassing. so th- this is actually an iconic studio this whole this whole building this is engine room where we record and a lot of history a lot of yeah. history musically has, has that's pretty here. cool yeah and there's some dope audio upstairs but yeah i do see a lot of collaboration happening in new york guys from Canada, LA, whole LA team was here last week. Yeah. Ton, tons of people from London and Mumbai. Music overall is popping because of the streaming business now. Right. You know, Absolutely. Right? like N- Napstar and everything killed it and right. then now it's up back on the up. Now it's like generating revenue properly and now we can make good music videos. Right. All of that's happening for record labels especially, you know, with the, with the far reach. Oh, it's insane. So it's it's good. It's it, we're in a good place now. I think you'll be you should be looking forward to hearing some really nice music over the next couple of years. Oh, we're and then something's going to happen, it's going to fuck up and then we're like, "Oh, remember <laughs> fucking 2019 when the music was really good? The second golden age." <laughs> Are there any uh up and coming artists that perhaps you haven't worked with that you're liking their sound? um or just kind of you know their talents or any anybody to yeah i'm bad with names though so it's I'm fine not, i'm not going to mention okay but, um one of the, one of the kids that was with and when I, i shouldn't say kids but one of the guys that was with uh with prophecy he's from the uk i really like his melodies he's yeah. doing some really good work as so that was really nice yeah as was his name i think so yeah, yeah that's right yeah. yeah he's a nice he's a nice guy too good dude yeah he's the funny kid, the kid yeah. who sings he's double he's quite funny he sings he <laughs> sings double time a lot double time Yeah, yeah, like he'll sing, he'll sing double time over his beats and he okay. just, he just okay. crushes it. Yeah, okay. he's dope. We've been watching him for a minute. Yeah, yeah, man. This this has been incredible, dude. Yeah, uh, Pav, you, you're the homie now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, man. Are you gonna save him as something in your phone or just Pav now? Nah, just Pav, Pav from down under. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, every episode um, that we do. We always like to end with a gem um, or some words of wisdom from our guests to the youth or to our listeners. Is there anything that you can, uh, any advice that you can give to our young listeners who might be upcoming artists or creatives or just you know coming into their own um, that you could share with us today? Feel the truth and let it guide you. bars short and sweet i like that i like and that if you too. really like doing something and that's something that you really want to do keep doing it 
Don't worry about what's going on. It's it's gonna be alright. You're gonna make clout, you're gonna make money. But just keep doing it because it's always the people that anyone who's successful wasn't successful in a year. It just doesn't happen. Mm. Honey Singh became successful when he was doing like it was like his eleventh or twelfth year. No one knows that. Mm-hmm. But if you see like the first shit that he made, it was shit, it was bad. I think then he became very successful in that tenth year. And that tenth year is actually like always remember the tenth year is very important. Because that's when you're going to start becoming good. You've surpassed your 10, right? Yeah. I think I'm on the downhill now. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. No. But I think are, are I'm hoping go- I'm hoping to go, you know, good 30, 40 years. It, se- it seems like uh, you, you understand the game at a, at a very deep level and a very uh, sort of wide spectrum of the game where it's, it's about the music, but there's so much more that goes into it. And uh, from, from what I see, it's you're going from artist to almost young mogul. Hmm and into the game at a different level. So we, uh, we're we going to continue to watch. We're going to continue to support the music. And uh, I'd like to say you can come back anytime you want. Uh, maybe next time you're in town, you want to come back and share some good news and good music. Um, before we end, though, any new music from you that you're currently pushing? Teri San Lorni, which was released by Pavan. I'm on that track. And um, it was written by, by Manav and Pavan. And I wrote a little bit in there as well. But this was our first four seven production, and nice. uh, it's very good. Oh, yeah. I don't usually blow my own <laughs> trumpet, but it's a very good song. Go and support that yeah. facts. Manav, that's another name you guys have to remember. He's he's a fucking genius. He's gonna be huge one day. Manav. Manav. Where's he out of? He's from Sydney. My best mate. Nice. Oh, he's your best mate. Yeah. Got it. He's gonna be. He's a fucking genius. He's a genius. No one knows, but he's a genius, and I tell him all the time. But he's a genius. Lit. Juicy's a genius, but I don't like to tell him that because yeah, don't tell him that. <laughs> I'm saying this on the, on the <laughs> mic. If he was in front of me, like, you're a piece of shit. Piss off. Ladies and gents, uh, this is the Butter Chicken Podcast. This is your boy, DJ Sharad. And DJ Juicy. We are the Butter Chicken Boys and Juicy. Where can they catch us, my friend? I say go to Instagram first at Butter Chicken Podcast. That's and where can they catch you, sir? Uh, at also on Instagram at DJ Juicy. Where can uh, they find you, Sharad? They can find me in the cut, or they can find me at DJ Sherrod and uh, Mr. Pav. Where can they find you? Oh, you don't you don't want to be known on social, right? That's all right. I'm, I'm, I have to <laughs> still post on Instagram. This <laughs> is P A V D H A R I on uh, all the social media platforms. All right, make sure you guys yeah. um, make sure you guys go check out Pav Daria on Instagram and Forty Seven is Forty Seven Studios. F O U R S E V E N Studios. Awesome, man. Hey, Pav, man, thank you so much for this. Uh, really appreciate your time. I appreciate you guys. Thank and, you. And uh, just telling your story and chopping it up with us, man. So thank you. Yeah, we'll I always s- like to talk, so thanks. <laughs> no worries, we'll, man. We'll see you soon. We are the Butter Chicken Boys. This is season three at Butter Chicken Podcast on all places that you can find your podcast. And now in India on Hub Hopper and killing it on Spotify and Apple podcast we'll see you soon ladies and gents good night peace